This morning's reading is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 11, verses 14 to 28, page 1043 in the Church Bibles, page 1043, Luke 11, 14 to 28. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So, then, they will be your judges." But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Edmund. So that's all straightforward then, right? Good. It's not easy, is it? Some hard stuff here for us to think about. um, I've been blessed by others who've written about it and spoken about it. Um, And hopefully together we will get to see what this is Um, all about for us. Um, Let's take a moment, though, to pray, shall we? Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Uh, Verse 28 says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Father God, we thank you for the word of God. 
Thank you for your words. We recognise that it's often hard for us to understand. We pray now that you would do your work through your word, that you would do it by your power, by your spirit, you would lead us into truth. And it would change us and form us into the people you want us to be. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So do keep that passage open uh, in front of you. That would be really good for us uh, to follow along as we go. Now, uh, this passage, as I say, is is confusing. It's quite... um, it's quite complicated in some way, especially when you read it, if this is the first time you've read it this morning at first glance. Um, it, but actually, um, I don't think it's, it's too difficult for us to get our heads around. After all, I think we actually see that it's very practical. You might think, how? Um, and it's, um, it's actually all to do with, with how we change. And we all want to change, right? Don't we? You want, there's things about us we want to change. You want to change? I want to change? We all want to the world. We want change. And actually, this is all about the power to change. And so we're going to go through it. Uh, and the first point I'm going to labor quite a long time on, which is that there are, there, there are many powers to change. Okay? There are many ways to change. Okay? This passage we read, verse 14, Jesus is casting out um, demons, isn't he? You can see that. And a lot of people, and maybe even here this morning, so I can't hear that, casting out demons. And maybe kind of bulk and react against that and struggle with the idea of um, demon possession. Many people consider that to be kind of, isn't that just kind of naive, kind of primitive way of thinking? You know, they did that sort of thing, you know, 2,000 years ago. In these days... Uh, They didn't have things like modern psychology and physiology and all that kind of stuff. Um, And they didn't really understand what mental illness was. And and that can sound all very well and good, but the the problem is for us is that when we read the accounts of Jesus' life, read the Gospels, and I encourage you to do that if you've never done that before, is that we see Jesus clearly clearly understands, doesn't he, the difference between physical, spiritual, and emotional problems. You you meet somebody with a physical problem, he understands it's a physical problem. He meets somebody with an emotional problem, he knows it's an emotional problem. Here is a demon possession problem, and he knows it is that. So in a sense, what Jesus is saying is that we're, we're naive, actually, Uh, to think that evil in our world only has one form of manifestation of, say, the physical or the emotional. Evil has all sorts of tentacles into different places and in different ways. And Jesus is showing that our view of our problems is often far too narrow, isn't it? Um, It's actually human and inhuman it's both personal and impersonal it's a natural but it's also supernatural it's multi-dimensional multi-layered and we talk about 
in our world. You must have heard of holistic therapy, hasn't it? You've heard that phrase. Uh, well, perhaps Jesus would say that our view of problems is not holistic enough. <laughs> that there's a depth going on that sometimes we're just not aware of. Evil has many forms. And first of all, we need to not be simplistic about that. Even if we struggle to, to kind of understand that in our 21st century. So having said that, though, we mustn't get fixated upon uh, things like demon possession here. Because I think the passage is actually not specifically really about that. And hopefully we can see that together. So even if you still have problems here with the idea of demon possession and exorcisms, hopefully together we can still understand what Jesus is really saying, trying to get at for us. So in the passage, what do we see? We see the religious leaders, first of all, getting very upset with Jesus. They accuse him of all sorts of things. You see that, don't you, in verse 15. By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, they accuse him of casting out um, demons. And what Jesus does here is he, over, he turns this on its head, doesn't he? And in verse 19, if you look further down, he says, well, by what powers are you, your people, your followers, and this is really crucial, doing the same thing? Um, Jesus simply pointing out your people, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, they seem to be casting out demons as well. I think that's what's implied, isn't it? By whom do your followers drive them out? So he turns it back on them. Now, this is important. They're casting demons out. Uh, and uh, uh, there are many ways if you like here, to, to think about it like this, to get deliverance, okay? Do you see that? There are many sources of power in this world. There's not just one route to get out of demons. Uh, let me try and ex- illustrate this, this concept for us. Imagine, for example, someone is depressed has depression. Um, Why does a person have depression? Well, there could be many different things going on, couldn't there? The biologists could say, well, there's a psychological chemical imbalance in that person. That's one thing that they could say. You know, the moralists could come along and say, well, maybe there's things that they've done that have contributed to the way that they are feeling. Uh, maybe the, the psychologist uh, says no. They come along and says no. It's, it's something in, in their past and relational that they fail to cope emotionally. Some issue of the past that's present, preventing them to think correctly about the future. But then perhaps the superstitious says instead, no, no, it's a demon. They're being possessed. We need to cast it out of them. Now, let's think for a moment. I know these concepts, you've got to stay, bear with me, okay? Go with me on this, okay? Let's think biblically for a moment about this. God has made us multidimensional, hasn't he? 
He's made us multidimensional. And that means we're, we're physical beings, we're social beings, we're spiritual beings, we're psychological beings. There's lots of different aspects. And as a result, there are many sources of power, and a person can be helped through all kinds of ways. Okay? How can the Pharisee, which is implied here, the followers, they seem to be doing the same things, exorcisms, how is it they do it without the power of God to help them? Well, the point is there's lots of different ways that people can get help. Lots of ways people can get help in our world. And Jesus wants us to recognize that fact first. Exactly how the Pharisees delivered demons we can't be sure, can we? It doesn't, Jesus is not telling us that. But one thing is sure, that despite this, Jesus over and over again tells us, what does he tell us to have nothing to do with the Pharisees? He doesn't want us to have, but they are doing demon possession, they're exercising demons. I mean, he calls these, the Pharisees, doesn't he, a brood of vipers, he calls them a bag of snakes, he, he He doesn't want you to have anything to do with them. But yet they are doing this kind of thing. There's some power going on there, isn't there? And so, you know, um, you can maybe think about it a little bit like this. You know, in our culture, in our modern Western way of thinking, people will say things like, uh, well, if their religion uh, works, if their philosophy works for them, if their way of thinking and ordering their life works for them, well, good for them. But Jesus is showing us just how superficial that is. That's really superficial, isn't it, if you think about it? Because that's just like the Pharisees coming along. To some degree, people would have been saying the same thing. Well, it worked for me. But Jesus wanted warned us, in no uncertain terms, to have anything to do with the Pharisees. And history will tell us that there are religions, there are philosophies, there's ways of thinking that will produce people who will say, I've been changed. That I have overcome old habits and have had peace. And sometimes these belief systems have been completely at odds with each other, haven't they? They don't fit together at all. But they produce some kind of deliverance for people. Now, they'll help you with your problems. Now, why? Why? Because there are many sources of power. There are many sources of power. The social, the Psychological, there's physical, there's spiritual, there's moral power. That's what Jesus points out here to the religious authorities and the crowd. And here's the, here's the really crucial thing, though. But you must never, ever, ever jump to the conclusion that that religion or that philosophy or that way of working must be true. That's really very, very important just because it does deliverance. Christianity 
is not true because it works. Let me put it like that. Shall I say that again? Christianity is not true just because it works. It works because it is true. You see, many things that are not true still have some form of working out. Yeah? See, many religions, many philosophies, therapies, Phariseeism kind of worked for people because it had some kind of power over their life. You get my point here. But that does not mean and cannot mean that it is the truth. You see, what Jesus is saying is that there are many, many ways that we can get help to get power into our lives and to get some kind of control into our life, but that doesn't mean that you have the truth that will ultimately set you free. Just as Jesus says, isn't it, in, in John 9, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that sets you ultimately free. Now, There are lots of powers in this world. We've just said that. And you think, what is Eddie going on about? <laughs> Let me try and take it a step further. Any other power other than Jesus in your life will utter, ultimately mean you're worse off. Or ultimately it will be destructive to you. Let's see how that works out. Jesus is showing here in this passage that there are lots of sorts of powers we've just been talking about to deal with all sorts of problems. But if you turn to any other power, any other source, to get self-control over your life, whatever that might mean, over your problems, you'll finish up in a worse place than you were before. Let me try and explain. You don't need, put it like this, you don't need to be a Christian to overcome your alcoholism if you're an alcoholic. You don't need to be a Christian to get your marriage back together. You don't need to be a Christian in order to get emotional self-control in your career, do you? Because there are powers, there's things that you can do. You see, if you turn to anything other except Jesus and then make them the ultimate thing in your life, the, the end even though it might appear good at the beginning, or ultimately you'll end up in a worse place. And to show this and to illustrate this, Jesus gives us this story in verses 24 to 26. Let's look at that. This story is about demons in the desert. And it makes no sense to us Unless, you see, he has already been talking about the fact that Pharisees can do some kind of demon exorcism and help people with their problems and deliver them. But it is without the power of God. So in verse 24, he says, let me tell you about this. And it's very possible for you to overcome your demons. It's very possible to cast things out to get self-control into your life, to put your life in order, but without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can do something like that, can't you? But you can do it without Jesus, and that's not good, is it? 
Let's read it again, verse uh, 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through the arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. What's he saying? First, he's saying it's possible to put your life in some kind of order, isn't it? We've just been talking about that, but without Jesus. You can sweep clean. You can get it in order. But you know the saying, don't you, about a vacuum? What does a vacuum want to be filled with? That's the point, isn't it? A vacuum needs to be filled You see, we don't just get control of our lives in some sort of abstract way. I've now got control of my life. I'm I'm ready to hit the world. You get the power to change, don't you, in that way, from some other motivation, from something else. You get something new that dominates you. You give yourself to something else. Something else comes and possesses you, to put it in, a, in this kind of frame of, that Jesus does. And Jesus is saying, unless it is me, you're going to be in a worse place than you were before. Let's try and illustrate this to give it some sort of concrete. So I don't feel that you're all looking kind of strangely, what's Eddie talking about? Let's try and illustrate it. This will hopefully help. I remember when I was younger, uh, and maybe many men here, I'm not saying exclusively men, but a lot of men could perhaps relate to this. When I was younger, I was very much um, sort of grew up with the adage that if I was crying, my parents were wonderful, by the way. (laughs) Got to add that for the tape. Oh, we don't have tape anymore, CDs. But they would, my dad would often say, big boys don't cry, grow up. Okay? That's the sort of thing. He was a wonderful man, don't get me wrong. But that's the sort of thing that, and maybe you've had that said, you can resonate with that sort of thing. Stop crying. Why? Be a, be a man. Show that you can get control of your life. Don't cry. Now, can that little boy get control of his emotional life at the age of five and onwards. Well, yes, he can, can't he? To some degree, he can, can't he? He can pull his socks up, so I'm not going to cry, swallow his pride, and just stiff up a lip. Yeah? And he can cast it out of his life like a demon. I mean, nobody wants a sniffling emotional wreck. That's what we might say. But ask yourself, what is that boy putting in place of the thing that he's cast out? The thing that he's put in place instead 
he's given himself over to something else, hasn't he? A new motivation. And that's why his house is in order. But here's the thing. Couldn't that actually be seven times worse? Seven other demons could come in. What could those demons be like? For example, isn't it possible that a man will have grow up with very difficult to make relationships, perhaps in marriage and struggle with relationships, because it means that it's difficult to admit that you're weak, to admit that you have vulnerabilities, because you've got to be a man, haven't you? Seven other demons come in because you have self-control over it. How is that going to affect us? Let's push it even further. There are lots of people in our nice, comfortable Western way of living. We go off to uni, get real jobs, establish families, homes, status and fortune. We get control of our lives. And the result is that we get this tremendous pressure on us. You have to be really self-controlled. There's a focus on work, on getting your homework done, getting to bed on time, going to the right school, getting the right grades, being diligent, working hard, focus. But where does the power come? Where does it come from? You're giving yourself over to a power, aren't you? Another power. And what will that do to you? Ultimately, it could drive you into the dust and it'd be worse than the place that you were before. I hope that's making some sense of what Jesus is saying here. Um, In a way, if you think about it, uh, and you look in the Gospels, it's the the disorderly house people, if you like, people without this kind of self-control in their lives, who are closer to the kingdom of God, those who have uh, have been given ourselves over to something else that actually keeps us further from God. Whatever it might be, our status, our our achievements, whatever other powers that we're giving ourselves to, that's the reason why Jesus said Pharisees are doing some of these things. Because what were the Pharisees doing? They were giving you another burden to get control of your life, which is actually worse than the one before. Why would he say that? How could he say that? that people whose lives are a mess are more likely to understand the truth. Well, the bottom line is the bottom line is that if you get control and power over your problems in any other way than Jesus, you're going to have a problem and finish up in a worse place than you were before. Um, I suppose to put it like this, If we're not possessed by Jesus, you'll be possessed by something else. And each of us do that. And often we're in a far worse place than we would have been. So this whole story here is about trying to show that, isn't it? the permanent and complete power for us to change is in Jesus, who is the stronger man. Verse 21, when a stronger man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when a stronger 
attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the plunder. In this, Jesus is saying to us, I'm the one who can bind up the strong man. I'm the one who can bind up all those other powers in your life that you use to control your life. I can bind them up, and only I, and the only one who can take over completely, permanently, all the strongholds and the problems in your life, and I can do it thoroughly and completely and forever, because he is the stronger man. The reason he can say this is because Jesus is the stronger man. Verse 20, Jesus says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Just a finger. The finger of God. See how greater the power of God is. That's what we really need to go and go away from this passage, understanding that's ultimately it. Um, I can destroy anything that binds you because I'm the stronger man. As a result, it empties and, and nothing can come back. You see, it's not simply about saying, I believe in Jesus. That's important. Believing in Jesus is important, of course. Um, it's not just enough to, to emulate Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian, to have received him, isn't it? To actually receive him by faith. It is actually that the, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you to bring about that change, to take that empty space and to come into it and possess you. That's what it means to be a Christian, by the power of God, through his spirit. That's what it means to receive Jesus. We tend to use the word possessed to feel in a very negative kind of way, don't we? Uh, And of course, anything other than Jesus that possesses you and takes control of you while it can perhaps get some things out of your life, clean it out, um, will actually ultimately lead to despair if it is without Jesus. How do we let Jesus possess our house, as it were, to use the analogy? How do we do that? Ephesians 4 says... Put off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new. You see, becoming a Christian isn't just moving things out. Jesus does that. He moves things out. Being a Christian is about receiving Jesus into your life and letting him possess you and taking control of you, being renewed in the spirit, in your mind, about putting on, filling the space that you've had emptied with Jesus. Let him possess us. Does that, does, I know that sounds a bit strange when you say that, but it is what it is to be a Christian. It's to let Jesus possess us. You put one off, 
put another on. If all we do is sweep clean and get some control over our lives, we finish up in a vulnerable place. Seven other demons can come in to that space. Jesus saying, I am the stronger man. And if you receive me, you truly have received the kingdom of God. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? At the end of uh, chapter 11, where Jesus talking about um, his teaching on prayer, in verse 13, he says then, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father God, we've Um, Thank you for your word, and it's hard, it's difficult for us to understand. And yet we thank you that it is Jesus that we really need to bring change in our lives. And as you've encouraged us, we pray that we would let the Holy Spirit come into our lives to fill the vacuum so that other things in this world, other powers, won't try to control us. We pray that you would do that taking off and that you would do that putting on. That we would be changed and transformed by seeing Jesus. To seeing just how wonderful and marvellous and great he is. He is the stronger man. So strong that he went to the cross and defeated death, sin and the devil and has given us new life. Fill us, we pray. Possess us by faith in Christ. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.